Off top, Bills playoff run last year, more impressive than the Rams. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, welcome back. Episode two of the Dominique Foxworth Show. My guy, Charlie Kravitz, is here looking fantastic. This was an emergency recording, so Charlie's bed is, or his bedroom is a shambles. I appreciate you showing up for me, Charlie. I got uh, I got pushed into the get into the guest room because oh. this emergency recording I wasn't able to sort of secure the home office space, which is being <laughs> used by my better half. So you got the bedroom uh, for this pod. Well, I appreciate it, man. Um, full disclosure: we recorded two episodes yesterday. One was good, and I thought one wasn't good. So I really appreciate all of you guys coming back and making it better because we are not putting out garbage product. We only put out the pure uncut, right, Charlie? That's right. Plus, this is better, like speaking in in that analogy, like I'm in full on football crackhead mode because we are on the precipice (laughs) of like the best best day of the year. Oh, and it's such a great game that we're starting off with. Like, I feel like uh, you as a producer and me as like a talker of this stuff, like we've been scraping the bottom of the barrel all summer. Now we're finally here and we got Bills Rams, I guess. I should get into my off the top because I know it sounds absurd because the Rams won the Super Bowl. But today on Debatable, I stumbled into the realization that I believe that the Bills playoff run was much more impressive. And in the time that I had to prepare for this show, I looked up some numbers and I was right. Like by most statistical offensively, at least statistical measures, the Bills were significantly better than just about everybody else. Like, EPA per play or excuse me, EPA per game is like, uh, I don't, I've pledged not to drown people in boring statistics. I'll just tell you the outcome and trust that I've looked up all the boring statistics. So I'm not making things up, but this specific boring statistic is like shocking EPA per play offensively. Again, it's like offensive efficiency. The bills were 28.3 in the playoffs last year. The league average is around like, three or four or two. I I could look that up. League average is anyway, the Rams were 1.49, which is not even close to give you an understanding of the discrepancy there. All right. I'm looking up the league league average right now. League average last season for EPA per game was (laughs) 1.59. The bills offensively were 28 in the playoffs last year. That is crazy. They surprisingly, though, I I expected their defense to to pan out a little better in the statistical analysis. But I guess I kind of didn't account for the fact that Patrick Mahomes went bananas on them. But they were, man, they were about average on defense. The Rams were much better there. But it boils down to the quarterback position. As much as I hate to admit it, that's what it boils down to at the end of every conversation. We start at quarterbacks and we end up at quarterbacks. And the reason why I remember the Bills run last year more fondly than I do the Rams run is the way that Josh Allen played, man. And yeah, not that Matt Stafford, it was a real like important career defining moment in run for Matt Stafford. And he threw a damn no look pass in the most important pivotal moment in the Super Bowl. So don't get me wrong. He's great. But when I think back through last year's playoffs, Jaquaski Tart's name pops into my mind. Mm-hmm. And that mars my memory of Matt Stafford, which is probably not fair. And if you don't remember, 
Matt Stafford in the fourth quarter tried to throw away their trip to the Super Bowl by throwing the ball into the chest of a 49ers safety named Jaquaski Tart. He dropped it. And the rest is history. Now the Rams are remembered as a great team. Isn't it kind of funny, though, that we're looking at this game and Matt Stafford's the one who has highs and lows and not Josh Allen at this point. That's the crazy part to me. Cause like, if you think of the most, like the signature throws of the playoffs last year too, Stafford has those as well. Like the winner against, against the bucks, the entire drive in the super bowl uh, where he just peppered Cooper cup, but he's the up and down guy. Josh Allen is the rocket ship guy now. And that's so crazy too, because Josh Allen was not, we remember his playoff run last year and he was good last year. But he was not as consistent last year as he was the year before. He was nowhere near as inconsistent as he was to start his career. So he's put that behind him. But he was great last year. But he wasn't as great as I think we remember him in part because that playoff run, man, he I I mean, we could take it game by game. The playoffs, there's only two of them, and he was bananas in both. Sorry, but that like leads to like the most the most important point about Josh Allen is that last year was the was the regression year. Like he exploded <laughs> two years ago. That's it. But like it was like his because because touchdown and interception luck. Oh god, regressed to normal. So like yeah. that's to me like a baseline for him in the regular season last year, and that's why like I almost think that we're getting smarter as a football public, knowing that the Bills should be the favorite because like we 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 discussed this a little bit earlier, but traditionally you have famous head coach, famous yeah. quarterback, Super Bowl champion, prestige defensive players. You return right. everyone. You're the favorites, but like. We get it. We had yeah. eyeballs. We saw Josh Allen. Yeah, it's the it's the glut of sports media and our decision uh, collectively to all watch it. And oh, no, actually, that's not true. It's just that Josh Allen threw for a billion touchdowns in the playoffs and he's big and put the whole team on his back. And they got guys everywhere. You said the Rams brought everyone back. No, they didn't. They lost yeah, a couple lost guys. They lost left tackle and Whitworth. They lost Vaughn Miller who was a late season addition was, but was awesome in the playoffs. They lost Odell Beckham jr. Unless he ends up getting healthy and signing with them later in the season, which like really he was on track to be the MVP of the super bowl (laughs) until he um, got injured. So they are not the same and they aren't bringing back the same quarterback. They're bringing back a quarterback with uh, a elbow injury. That is, is baseball in nature, which scares everyone. Okay, the one thing about Stafford, I've thought about Stafford a, a lot with this team. The vibes around the Rams in general are weird. Yeah. These are the most normal vibes for Matt Stafford. Like, <laughs> sort of hurt. We're not sure he's going to play. Yeah. And then we all look stupid when he plays just like Matt Stafford always plays for the last decade. That happens every week of every season. That's fair. I, so... In previewing this game, I feel like we've been talking about these teams in isolation. We have not previewed the the game, the matchup necessarily. But some people will be listening to this before the game. And I think some people probably pick it up after the game. And the fun thing about that, I don't know if I'm the only one who does this, is I like listening to podcasts after the events have happened because then I can decide whether I think the the, uh, host was smart or not. So you guys can let me know. But I feel I put in some work. I feel like I'm going to be right on. The Bills are going to win, obviously. So go ahead and put that out of your memory. Put all your money on it. Don't sue me if you lose it all. But the matchup in this game or the key to this game is the Rams O-line against the Bills pass rush, in my Mm -hmm. view. And the Bills, they are not strong at corner, but I don't think it matters as much. Tredavious White is out, their best cornerback, but I don't think it matters as much because they're going to major in two-man, which is two high safeties, 
man coverage underneath that'll protect the corners from getting attacked deep. They're able to do that in part because their D-line is really good at getting pressure. They were, I think, top five, top 10 team in pass rush win rate last year. And they lost Jerry Hughes. He went to Houston, who was probably their most effective pass rusher. But you know who they replaced him with? That guy, Von Miller, who I think had a win rate that was equal to Hughes and was much better than that in the playoffs. And if he is playing at that level, he's going to be fine. Um, They got Oliver in the middle. He's a great pass rusher. So they will be fine rushing the passer. And that's going to be the question. And so I expect the Rams in that zone running attack, they're going to lean on that because they're going to have to try to pull one. I forgot the fact that those two high safeties, which is where the pressure is going to be on, those guys are maybe the best safety tandem in football. So I'm not as worried about the corners going into this game as I think uh, a lot of people are. I actually think the the running game for the Rams, uh, another this weird vibe Sean McVay thing. And I, I say that because like he was really committed to Cam Akers last year coming back from injury when he wasn't that good. And he is sort of backed off that this offseason. Like for the first time he's been postulating about having two number one running backs, having Daryl Henderson in the mix. Who knows if the who, who they'll add to it. And you gave real analysis. I'm going to go vibes analysis. I that seems that. like less confidence in the running game than John McVay <laughs> normally has. And to your point, if that's essential for beating this Bills team, that doesn't seem yeah. positive. Is that yeah. fair for me to say that I, no. I feel less confident because of that? I- yeah, I, I was about to say don't undersell your analysis, but you didn't undersell it. You just said it was different. It's vibes, yeah. and the vibes are important. Uh, and the running game is slightly more important. Yeah, Because the two high safeties, if you don't know a ton about football, it just means that there's one less person in the running game. So if they can run the ball effectively and pull one of those safeties into the box in order to stop the run, if, they, if they're able to do that, that will then allow them to play action and also attack the only real weakness of this Bills defense, the receivers. So that is where they're going to have to start. And I know that the numbers support that you do not need to run the ball well to have effective play action, but you are going to need to run the ball well to expose those corners, which is where the weakness is. And their linebackers aren't great. Maybe um, Sean McVay will find ways to uh, try to isolate them in play action also. But particularly with the arm issues of Matt Stafford, We don't know how serious they are, but I would suspect that they do not want to start taxing him a lot early. So even if it's fine, they want to try to get through this early part of the season with him throwing or putting as little stress on his elbow as possible. So it's going to come down to, and if you're watching the game, you want to sound smart when you're watching the game or you just want to watch the game and enjoy it. I find that I enjoy football games more when I lock in on something specific. Mm-hmm. That's what you should be watching is on third downs in particular, also on first downs, where the safeties are, and also how effective the run game is for the Rams because that's going to tell the story. If they can run them out of that too high look because I think that was their number one coverage last year was two-man. The Bills' number one pass coverage was two high safeties with man underneath essentially protecting their corners and relying on their defensive line to get pressure and force the ball out. So one other thing about this, do you think Allen Robinson is extra comfortable now that Matt Stafford's hurt? He's like, I'm back. I'm used to bad quarterback play. This has been my entire career. Or is he just crushed right now? Oh man. I, I, I think that Allen Robinson, I don't want to sell him short. He had a down year a bit last year. He's still yeah. good. 
but I feel like people are higher on his what his performance is going to be this year than I am. And maybe they think you just plug him in the system. Like I think his style as a receiver um, combined with the Matt Stafford issue is not exactly what they would want. And I know you're high on him because he's like a true big body, number one receiver, but I don't know if that's what they need as much as they need uh, someone who can get open and take the pressure off of Matt Stafford and, and take coverages away from Cooper cup. Yeah. So for me, the thing that I thought was interesting was just how you obviously he's a totally different player than Odo Beckham. Like anyone with, with eyeballs can, can see that. But the interesting about thing about when they plugged in Beckham was he became like their goal line threat. And like, just like everything that we know about football guys who can contest uh, catch contested passes are like guys who are usually great at the goal line. And so it seems like weirdly in that role, that limited role that they created for Odo Beckham in half a season, like Allen Robinson should be able to replace that stuff. And that's yeah. what's sort of tantalizing about it. That is fair. And I, so the other thing about having a guy like Odell Beckham, and you don't always get to see the impact of a player like that. And it's like the Tyreek Hill effect, I think, is the best example of this in football right now, is that he's such a threat for the big play that mm-hmm. other things will happen around him that you don't necessarily credit him for, <laughs> but people are wide open. People are getting coverages shifted because Odell Beckham is somebody that you're going to look at because, you know, if you get him a short pass, he can go to the crib. You give him, and he can also get open and run past people. Allen Robinson was never a speedster and he's not a quick shifty guy and he is getting long in the tooth. So man, I'm an old man. I just said long in the tooth. The f- I, I, I hate myself right now. He's get he's getting older and, Relying on him to be that guy. <laughs> I feel like you're judging me right now. No, no, you're very self-aware. Oh gosh, it was gross. Relying on him to be that guy, that pressure release uh, with the offensive line the way it is. And I mean, the offensive line isn't bad, but that's we have questions about what it's yeah. going to be. And somebody who is quick like Odell can get open quickly would be nice. Cooper Cup is that guy also, but having a, a second option like that would be great. So, I mean, Allen Robinson's going to be good. He might have the best career of his life or the best um, year of his life because he'll be with a quarterback, assuming Stafford is healthy. That is actually above average, which he, I don't think he's ever had. I don't even know if he's had a league average quarterback, to be honest. Just tough, tough scene for a guy. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I feel like this is a recurring theme over two podcasts now is, I want to know about gambling. I need to start learning about gambling. I never mm-hmm. is is there a line on this game? I know you're you say you're not a good gambler, but like I know you keep up with the Yeah, the Bills are two and a half point favorites. Um with, okay, you get two points for being at home. Yeah. That that's built into the line. But is it um, I feel like home field advantage is like evaporated, or maybe that was in part because of the COVID year. But in the last few years, I think home field advantage wasn't as impactful as we think it is, but they still give two points for travel and I don't know, crowd yeah, noise. And, and the thing is, and obviously this is, I don't know if it applies to this game, but well, I think a lot of gamblers in football look for home underdogs because those, yeah. those generally tend to un- underperform uh, okay, or overperform. Okay, okay. And like, it is sort of funny that the first home dog of the season is the Super Bowl champs. And like, so like the, there actually could be the, the gambling aspect of this could be interesting because it's like, you know, an undervaluing of a team that actually, uh, you know, outperformed 
what they should have done over the last five weeks of the season is pretty is pretty interesting. Do they ever actually lose that game though? Because it's always the Super Bowl champ always hosts, right? Don't they normally host the season opener? Like yeah. the Bucks won it last year. I feel like that Thursday that Thursday night opener game, the Super Bowl champ plays um, some normally high powered team from the other conference, and they always I feel like they always end up winning, but. I'm picking yeah. against them this time. Yeah, I am too. And I feel like <laughs> part of that, like Patriots were probably just the best team for the last 20 years and they always hosted that game. So that's a huge part, part of probably swinging the statistics. That's fair. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot DF. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right. I have a note that I was I mm -hmm. wanted to share with everyone before we get into uh, talking about these games and telling you what to look for and what to expect and getting all excited about all the important must watch games this weekend. I decided to tell everybody don't overreact. We're all going to overreact anyway, and I'm about to pre-overreact for you. But I look back at last year, week one. Here's a couple results for you. The Steelers beat the Bills. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this or not, but the Steelers beat the Bills in week one of last season. The I don't remember. I, I, I would assume it must have been like a lot of pressure, like TJ Watt probably went bananas, had some sack fumbles. I don't remember the specifics of that game. I do feel like Ben Roethlisberger, uh, or I know Ben Roethlisberger was starting and throwing a bunch of three to six yard passes, right? And that that was not indicative of what was to come for either side. I bet Steelers fans were feeling really good about themselves and then not. Yeah. Held the Bills to 16 points in that game. That was the aberration. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Great defense. But neither of those teams turned out to be that by season end. <laughs> um, the Cardinals uh, went to the Titans and beat the Titans, which I don't know. That that Titans won the AFC. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. <laughs> A year where we have possibly the most competitive AFC that we've ever had. As many 
franchise quarterbacks that we I mean, not even franchise quarterbacks, like MVP caliber quarterbacks, even the ones who haven't won it, we could all see them winning an MVP eventually. You know who won? Tannehill and them. <laughs> they won a division with a with Derrick Henry getting hurt. Or not the division, the conference. Yeah. They were number they didn't win to go to Super Bowl, but they were number one in the conference throughout the regular season without Derrick Henry for part of that season. But they started the season by losing to the Cardinals. Here's the biggest one. Do you remember? I, I, this is what prompted me to look into this is because I actually remember this particular game. Mm-hmm. The, the Packers and the Saints. You remember it was 38 to 3? And yes. Aaron Rodgers had a QBR. Uh, for those who don't know, QBR is like probably the best uh, stat we have for quarterback rating right now. It's, it's imperfect, but it's the best we have. And league average is about last year was 56.6. Aaron Rodgers had a QBR of 18.8 <laughs> in that game, and they got molly whopped. I think Jameis Winston had the best week of any quarterback that in that particular game, and they beat them 38-3. to That, I mean, Aaron Rodgers went from that 18 QBR to go on and win the MVP and choke it away in the playoffs. That's not fair. He didn't choke it away, but they did not win in the playoffs once again. And I also just looked at the Taylor Heineke's QBR in yards per attempt, which are stats that we respect for quarterbacks. Uh, Washington pl- played the Chargers, and everyone's beloved Justin Herbert came in behind Taylor Heineke in week one in QBR and yards per attempt. So that is how I am selling you on all the big overreactions that we are getting ourselves ready for. You must know that it means something because it's only 17 of them, so they're really valuable. But let's not like lock our opinions completely in based on what we see this coming week. Can, can I give you a quick take on this? Oh, I love quick takes. What's up? Jameis is going to do it again this year. And the, the, he had a, he went 14 for 20 last year in that in that week one opener with five touchdown passes. Um, I'm not saying he's going to do that. That's obviously a statistical anomaly. But the Saints went from like the worst receiving core in the NFL to actually a pretty good one when they get Michael Thomas back, Chris Olave, and Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get some early Jameis fireworks that convinces everyone this is the year from him again, and it's probably going to be fool's gold. <laughs> I, I like that take. Um, I'm with you on that. I think Jameis has the potential to do that, and then the following week, we'll see. I mean, we never saw – I was really – excited he wasn't that bad last year we should be yeah. we should say that he wasn't that bad last year he just got hurt right yeah so that's all i was gonna say is we've never saw we we never saw the full Jameis winston outside of tampa bay under sean payton experience mm-hmm. we're still not gonna see it because sean payton was like no nah, i'm good he left uh, as a part of that alleged scheme but it didn't work out the way that he was supposed <laughs> to to end up as the coach of the miami dolphins with tom brady at quarterback Man, summer's been gone by fast. Wait, you aren't ex- you aren't as excited about the down the Dennis Allen system as the Sean Payton system? No, I mean, I mean to be fair, Dennis Allen in that defense has yeah. probably been the most consistent thing that they've had in the last several years. So, no, I'm not excited about Dennis Allen uh, as an offensive mind, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I I had high expectations for Jameis Winston. Because he showed us such a high bar and I thought that it was going to um, with yeah. with a very low floor. And I thought that Sean Payton was going to clean it up. We never saw it, but maybe we'll see it this year and he'll do it consistently. But uh, week one against the Falcons. 
That's yeah. You heard that, it here first. Yeah. A lot of fantasy points. It's not a not a risky take right there. Jameis is gonna go off against the against the Falcons in week one. But um yeah, I I don't know. We'll see how the Saints are you willing to consider the Saints as a division challenger to the Bucks? I know they yes. beat the Bucks in the regular season like four all four of the last two seasons, right? Yeah. And I, I, told, I mean, all four I, of the games in the last two seasons. I totally am. I might get freezing cold takes here if I look like a complete idiot, but process wise, I, I do. I, it's also like, I don't think the Bucs are as good this year. That division is super weak outside of that. And it's like this, the, the Saints have a lot of infrastructure. And I can't think of, I'm, I'm not the first one to come up with this take. So this is, this is obvious for everyone, but I can't think of a position group that had a bigger overhaul than the receiver group for the saints. And if you have a quarterback like James Winston that wants to push the ball downfield and you end up with someone like Chris Olave, who's a true blue chipper, Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas went from overrated to underrated so quickly that we just forgot about it. Like, because he just became like a, a, someone who got mocked by other defensive backs around the league for only running slants, but he was still really good. It's not like he was a bum and Jarvis Landry is like a unique safety blanket. And Sorry, but this was like Traquan Smith last year and Marquez Callaway like tearing it up in the preseason. And like this is a very different offense. And it looks like Kamara is going to play. So, yeah, I do. I, I think the Saints are one of those teams that might be a lot better than the public realizes. The game that you kind of teed up for us to talk about right there, you brought up the Bucks, yeah. Um, and you, you may not be as high on the Bucks as anyone else. So they're they are hosting the Cowboys week one again this year. And I think this is one of those games that afterwards we're going to feel differently about mm-hmm. one of these two teams and the Bucks. Everyone loved them before the uh, before training camp started. Like they'll be mm-hmm. back. They're loaded. And then they started getting hurt on the offensive line. And now there's like a question. Can they protect Tom Brady and can Tom Brady operate uh, in a behind an offensive line that is not as perfect frankly as they have been in the past couple of seasons so uh, it'll be an interesting question because they're going against the Cowboys whose defense was their defense effect defensive their defensive effectiveness was largely predicated on turnovers so uh, I'd like to see if they can actually play good consistent strong defense because I do not think they're going to get 11 interceptions from uh, Trayvon Diggs again this season Uh, and as good as Micah Parsons is is you have Micah to... Parsons is terrifying. Never forget. Oh yeah, I mean, I feel like I should change the cover art of this show to just Micah Parsons because he deserves for us all to talk about him more often. He's one of the most impressive players in football, and he's just one year in. But he is not impressive enough to make up for the other deficiencies of this defense. Dan Quinn got a lot of quick credit last year for for things that. You can't really coach <laughs> like you can't coach fumbles lost. You can't really coach interceptions. So it'll be um, interesting to see if they can stand up. So this will be an interesting matchup. That's what I really care about. Uh, I know you want to talk about Dak and can he overcome the the offensive line issues and the lack of receivers. But more than anything, I don't think of the Cowboys as a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I think of either. the Bucks as a Super Bowl contender. <laughs> And I think we'll find out if Tom Brady can overcome some weakness in the offensive line. And I think he can. Yeah. As long as he has good receivers. I think we learned that uh, from his time in New England is that 
He likes protection. He'd love protection, but he'd rather have guys that can get open and catch the ball and make something happen after. Yeah, I you know the thing with 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 Brady is like I don't ever think he's going to be bad. Like he's too good at football to ever be bad. But it's just like if he's slightly incrementally worse, or how good can the Bucks be? And that's situational because of the offensive line injuries and the offensive line departures. The weirder Brady thing is we took for granted. Now I'll, I'll pivot to Dak in a second, but we took for granted with Brady. We never had questions of how much he cared about football and how all in he is. And that's actually cropped up for the first time in 22 years in like the last couple of weeks. And obviously they're extend, extenuating circumstances, but that's like weird around a team with Tom Brady. He has an entire method about how much he cares about football. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the, the, I don't even know how to think about Tom Brady in that regard. It seemed to me, and we all, everyone's seen these theories about what's going on. No one really knows. But he came back and said, I'm 45. Shit happens or something like like yeah. that. That felt ominous. Like he, he didn't bring, he didn't come back and do the thing that he's been doing his whole career. It's like dismiss, oh, nothing, had a little thing, blah, blah, blah. Or make up a lie. He yeah. just came back and showed us that he's, that something ain't right, right? It's It's just like this dude is probably the most consistent player in the history of football. And he's for the first time showing cracks of inconsistency and in how he prepares and how he's going to perform. And that's not going to say he's going to be bad. Right. We, we are very clear on the Dominique Foxworth show. We think Tom <laughs> Brady is good. He will continue <laughs> to be good until he shows us otherwise. Oh, yeah. We, Do not, not aggregate us. But <laughs> with that said, weird behavior. Yeah. Weird behavior. So you're saying that you would not be shocked if he fell off. I would be. Sh- I wouldn't be shocked if the Bucks are worse than they have in the last two years. And oh, the Bucks. Man. And the reason I say that is like the Bucks were, you know, a couple plays away from maybe knocking off the Rams and maybe having another Super Bowl run because the way they they pulled it together at the end of the season. And I wouldn't be shocked if that team is just uh, it takes a step back, not to be terrible, but just to be closer to mediocre. That is some impressive take agility you just show right there. I yeah, said well, you would not be you would not be surprised if Tom Brady fell off and you were like, yeah, maybe the Bucks won't be as good. You're scared of saying that Tom Brady will be a little bit worse than he was like. All I did was learn my lesson from you, football <laughs> genius from you that, you know, quarterbacks are situationally dependent. So, oh, you gosh. know, two oh, days ago, gosh. I learned my lesson. <laughs> well done. Well done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, so the let's do the Dak Prescott conversation. Yeah. Yes, let's um, do it. I'll let you go first because I get angry. And, and it's totally fair. It's like I I have for – he's been the best quarterback in the division his like entire career. Dak Prescott is very good. He also 
I think it is fair to say has had a really nice situation built around him. Mm -hmm. He's had a consistent office coordinator in Kellen Moore for stability. He's had a really good offensive line. Illness and injury have affected that over time for it's been ups and downs. He's had multiple number one receivers, multiple number one running backs, uh, a tight end who came out of nowhere in Dalton Schultz. And this is the first time where, you know, they did not get a ton of compensation from Mari Cooper. They're replacing him with Jalen Tolbert, who's more of an unknown. Uh, Jerry Jones is weirdly committed to Ezekiel Elliott. The offensive line is worse. Tyron Smith is out and like situation is not great for Dak. We're going to learn a lot about Dak in worse situations now. And, you know, I don't think that they're the best team in the NFC East. I still think he's the best quarterback in the NFC East, but I don't think he's going to, I would be surprised if he has as good of a year as he wants and he's expecting. Yeah. Um, I agree with everything except for um, number one receivers. Like they had to trade a bunch away to get Amari Cooper because they yeah. didn't really have number one receiver. They got Amari Cooper and that offense started to hum a little bit more after that. So they're going back to a world where I guess CD lamb is their number one receiver but he's not consistent hands wise. He doesn't feel like he has grown into the type of number one that you would want. So he's in a tough situation. I guess the, the frustrating thing about this for me is we are going to, there will be an overreaction to Dak's performance this season. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. I don't think they're going to win the division. They may not even make the playoffs. They could make the playoffs, but they're one of those kind of fringe teams to me. And it feels to me like, there will be a referendum on Dak's con contract and his real ability. Were we overselling him? Was he surrounded by people and not that good? And that's going to upset me. Uh, so it's going to start week one because I would think that they're going to come up short against the Bucks, and everyone's going to blame Dak because Jerry Jones wasn't able to build an offensive line or, or prepare for uh, the aging and transition. That Well, is, is this sort of the plight of just the pretty good quarterback? You yeah. know what I mean? Like where Dak is just a, a tier. He's pretty good, very good, but he's just yeah. a tier below the like, you know, yeah, he's fire breathing dragon who can carry most situations. Yeah. And like he it's it's unfair, but he's going to shoulder the blame for, for other things. And it, when it's flipped, he'll get he'll get the praise for like a good roster around him as well. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have the eye popping like arm talent that some of those yeah. top tier guys do. And I think that's the difference between him and them is and I think he's probably ahead of a lot of those top guys mentally and that's yeah. how he makes up for the the lack of arm talent and ability to do these wild plays but he, he's done all the things that you say that you want your quarterback to do like lead game winning drives in the playoffs like do all that stuff and and he's the like perfect spokesperson he doesn't do anything wrong he says the right thing and people still try to find a way to hate on Dak Prescott but We'll see what happens in this game, but I, I think the Bucks pull it off, and and uh, Dallas's defense is not up for the challenge. But we're, we're going to leave this game feeling differently about them, and it might also be fool's gold because I don't think we know how good. If the Bucks win, I don't think we know how good the Cowboys are. But it's not like the biggest fool's gold game to me. That's Chiefs cards. Okay. I think the Chiefs could potentially struggle in this game like they did against the Browns at the beginning of the last season. This year, they are going to be kind of reconfiguring things, trying to figure out how to do things um, post Tyreek Hill and focusing a little bit more on the running game, for what I understand, and uh, transitioning on defense or transitioning some new guys in on defense. 
and the Cardinals, they are early season team. They they were like the best team in football through nine weeks last year, I believe. And the year before that, they were up there too. And then they fall off at the end of the year. I think this is a possible upset. The Chiefs could lose. And we're going to be doing the same thing we were doing to Aaron Rodgers last year to Patrick Mahomes. What do you got? I agree with a lot of them, but I think they're going to kill the Cardinals. I just don't think the Cardinals are going to be that good this year. And I think they're going to struggle early in the season. It's going to be too late. I just... One of the most fascinating things is what the Chiefs are actually going to look like because we don't know. This is a, like it's going to be change. It's going to be a change in an offense that has been um, really stable. Like it, it's crazy to call something that's so like um, boomer bust really stable, but they've been stable in that pattern of like driving the ball down the field, scoring quickly, being dominant in short spurts for Patrick Mahomes' entire career. I think the fact that the Cardinals uh, don't know what to expect. They are, for lack of a better term, pooping their pants right now. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, when you don't know what to expect from the offensive around him, has to be the most terrifying thing in football. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm giving a little bit too much credit to Vance Joseph and that defense. Because, yeah. like, as as we say all the time, is like defense is, does not always transition from year to year, but they've been really good on defense. They were top five team on defense last year, and I guess that's my expectation is that the transition from the Chiefs to their new version of chiefiness combined with uh, a well-coached and a good defense could slow them down some. And Kyler Murray early in the season is great. And we could walk away like, damn, did the Chiefs really need Tyreek Hill? Like, I could see that storyline forming. And if that's the case, I'll be here to tell you, remember when the Packers lost 38-3? last year to the saints let's not overreact they'll be okay but it's a game i'm looking forward to oh i think it's the most fun game to watch i can't wait you think it's the most fun game i think the shootout between the raiders and the chargers might be the most fun game there's going to be points galore and anytime derwin yeah the afc afc west anything in the afc west is much watch must watch and half of the the chiefs are half get half that matchup yeah anytime uh derwin james is on the field i'm watching and I want to see this newer version of Justin Herbert with a lot of pressure on him and with another year uh, of evolution going up against a really bad defense from a year ago, which like only played cover three. I was looking at coverage splits this morning and they were damn near 100% cover three. The Raiders were last year. And now they are taking their players and who were, like majored in cover three, but well, they did trade for Rock Yassin. But other than that, all these other guys majored in cover three, and now they're going to be putting them in other coverages in tough situations against Justin Herbert, who can hit anybody running anywhere at any point of the field from any angle uh, on, off one foot. I think that it's going to be a problem, and and uh, Derek Carr is going to have to outscore. Like, that's it. Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro and Waller and Devontae Adams, they're going to have to go nuts to make this game competitive, especially if uh, my man Brandon Staley uh, keeps disrespecting fourth down, which I love. Keep doing it. Go for it every fourth down. They can't stop you. I got two questions. All right. Do you think this is the year that that Justin Herbert really like? I mean, he's been awesome every time he's been in the NFL, but really establishes himself elite performance wise um, yeah. with like the top, top guys um, because He's so fun to watch. Like, it's so simple. He throws the ball really hard and really far, <laughs> and it's awe-inspiring. Yeah. Uh, if not now, then when? Like, I, yeah. I think he has to. 
this is uh, probably going to be the most talented team he's going to have around him mm -hmm. uh, because, like, they're going to have to pay him. They're going to have to pay Rashawn Slater. They're, they've already paid Derwin James. And it's they're going to be reliant on their front office to replenish and to nail a bunch of draft picks like they've already done so far. And that's unlikely because as much effort and time as uh, teams put into the draft – we don't really see any evidence that anybody really knows what they're doing. So when your team drafts well, appreciate it. Because next year or the year after that, sooner or later, they're going to draft poorly. And I think the Chargers are due for some comeuppance. And yeah. Herbert's going to be in that position where everyone's going to be like, well, can Justin Herbert put the team on his back now? Maybe he can. And that might be the difference between a player like him and Dak Prescott. Because that's where uh, Patrick Mahomes lives in that world where yeah. now we're starting to lose people like Tyreek Hill and we're going to find out how important they were and how flexible uh, or how flexible your team is based on how talented you can be, how special you are. So I, I think he has to step up this year. If he doesn't do it this year, then when's he going to do it? Yeah. It's, it's weird because you watch Justin Herbert and you obviously want to crown him. I certainly do. I want him in fantasy. I want to watch him on red zone. I want to see him pop up all the time, but then you look, you look at the overall numbers sometimes and you're like, is he is he ready to be at that Patrick Mobs, Josh Allen level? And that's a, that's an impossible standard. Yeah. Who is I mean, the Josh Allen leap, as we've talked about, is not something you can count on. It's not something that anyone ever does except for that one time that Josh Allen did it. Mm -hmm. But improving is like reasonable for a quarterback at his age at this point in his career. But it would just have to be his own personal improvement because yeah. it's not like we're like for uh, Joe Burrow, he was great last year. But you could argue that he's going to get better because they got better around them on the offensive line. And the year after his major injury, like another right. year, real offseason. Like, yeah, Burrow's, he's sick. So we'll we'll see what Herbert does. I'm high on Herbert. I think they win that game. They're hosting the charge or hosting the Raiders. And I think they outscore the Raiders because the Raiders are going to have some resistance because the Chargers... Yeah are also loaded on defense, adding Khalil Mack to that pass rush. And as I mentioned before, Derwin James is as close to a perfect football player. I mean, like next to Aaron Donald, like I think Derwin James, if he stays healthy, he's that special. He doesn't, he, he hasn't had the ability to stay healthy. So I don't think people have seen it and appreciated it, but he's that special. Side note on Derwin James. If you are a sports nerd and you want to realize just how incredible of an athlete Derwin James is, just go to YouTube. If you're watching us, pause the video, come back. Uh, type in Derwin James dunks because they are preposterous. They are like NBA dunk contest winning dunks. I know that's a tangent, but like he's uh, like 6'2". You know me. I love a tangent. I'd rather do a tangent than anything else. So I am now Googling Derwin, ja Derwin James dunks and y'all just gonna have to wait while I watch these dunks. I don't know. Maybe Christina can edit this so... You guys don't have to wait that long. Probably my top football player, Dunker, at this point. Oh, <laughs> the first one off the top. Okay. All right. I'm back. I'm back. I only needed to see one, honestly. I, I'm i done. That is... They're preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> They're preposterous. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yes, I love Derwin James so much. I can't wait to see him for a full, healthy season. He got paid this offseason. I love when people get paid. Nothing makes me happier. And players getting big ass checks. All right. So the biggest test of this weekend 
is another really interesting point to to focus on. And I might surprise you with this one, but I think the Bengals and the Steelers yeah. is going to be the the biggest test. In part because of the thing, or not in part, because completely because of the thing we talked about, the new offensive line. Yeah. So I picked at Matt Stafford a little bit because he tried to throw away the AFC championship game or the NFC championship game by throwing a ball directly into the chest of uh, safety. Joe Burrow did the same thing in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, except it was a linebacker. It was even more inexplicable than Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford at least was like, oh, he just threw it up. He couldn't see. Joe Burrow was rolling out of the pocket to his right, if I remember correctly, and threw it to a man right in front of him who dropped it in the fourth quarter of that Chiefs game. So uh, we remember him quite differently for the way he balled out in in all other situations. But that is why this, to me, feels like a big test game because the Steelers have a good pass rush. We need to figure out how good this offensive line, this revamped offensive line, actually is. We also need to figure out how good the Bengals actually are because their playoff run is why people are really high on him and because Burrow's really good. But if you look back at that playoff run, it was a close game that they easily could have lost to the Raiders, if I remember correctly. Nobody's talking about the Raiders like the Raiders are a Super Bowl champ or Super Bowl contender. They weren't last year. I don't believe them to really be this year either. They had the game against the Titans that Joe Burrow got sacked a record number of times, and they kind of barely won that game because, frankly, Jamar Chase made some impossible plays. Burrow wasn't really, like, carrying them. Jamar Chase made some impossible plays. Burrow got sacked a ton of time, and McPherson hit a bunch of bomb kicks. So they could have lost that game also. Then they were getting frankly, dominated by the Chiefs until just before half, Patrick Mahomes failed to score a touchdown and the Chiefs offense failed to score a touchdown or get any points out of that halftime situation. And then they came back and and beat them. And we remember this because Joe Burrow had a great regular season and he made pivotal, important plays and made it all the way to the Super Bowl. And we remember this like the Bengals became something different they took some step it's also possible that it's got a random their way into a good run and maybe they are not as good as we're talking about or or we're expecting from them like i don't think they're going to beat the ravens i don't think they're going to win a division well i think i think it can be both like joe burrow is i i think joe burrow and jamar chase are that good um and i also think that they got incredibly lucky that ryan Tannehill threw them the ball three times in the second round of the playoffs and they were all atrocious like that shouldn't happen either against the number one seed. Right. So that was super lucky. But like, can I pitch you one thing on the Steelers? I love it. Um, you know, I I think I'm higher in the Bengals than you than you are, and I think they I think them and the Ravens at the top of that division is is a total toss up just because the Ravens are also going to regress from bad luck. I kind of think the Steelers are going to be better than we're giving them credit for. Also, I know they made the playoffs last year, but I think a lot of people are writing them off. Mm-hmm. Um, quarterback play can't get worse. I don't care if it's Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. It legit can't get worse than Big Ben last year. Yeah. And that alone, with the fact that you talk about culture and institutional uh, stability, like Tomlin's never had a losing season. Like, that's as good of a culture and, and stable institution as possible. And like, I don't expect Trubisky to be good. I think Kenny Pickett, who knows, is a rookie quarterback. We never know about rookie quarterbacks, really. Um, but 
based on everything we've seen and heard, George Pickens is a freak of nature. Oh they have gosh. unbelievable receivers and they don't have Ben Roethlisberger. I don't understand why the offense wouldn't be a little bit better. I mean, the, the receiving core is also a, a reason for a, a test yeah. for the uh, Bengals because that is, I mean, it feels bad saying it's a weak spot, the corner position and defending the pass because you're going like, to, you're going to get yelled at online. Yeah. <laughs> Eli Apple's mom is coming for you. <laughs> I I defended Eli Apple. I know. Because, yeah, I mean, I defended Eli Apple as a cornerback. I saw the way people were treating him, and they were completely unfair. But I ain't about to sit up and pretend like he's Jalen Ramsey yeah. now. Let's not get ahead of let's not get ahead of ourselves. I do think that's another being able to match up against those guys. Not very many people in the league can do it. We'll find out if they can. That is another reason why it's a big test for the Bengals. And I'm not sure that Mitchell Trubisky is bad. Like I fully believe he's going to be better than Ben Rossberger was last yeah. year. And I might think potentially that in this new situation, he can be average to slightly above average. The only problem is the offensive line. Yeah. But the big problem. Yeah, it's a big problem, but he has playmakers and he has a defense and he has a coach and the new name of this podcast. He has institutional stability. Yeah. And that matters to me. And if he can't succeed here or at least show some hope, then maybe we should be completely out on him. But what happened to him in Chicago made no sense. Yeah. He was a pretty good athletic quarterback. Then they stopped doing athletic quarterback things with him. Then he's, then he was bad. <laughs> and then they ran him out of town. And I don't know. We'll see how it works out there. The other game that I think is a, is a big test is kind of obvious. Maybe it's the 49ers and the Bears. It's all about Trey Lance. Yeah all about Trey Lance like I don't think Trey Lance has to be great but there are huge question marks because he played at a lower level and he didn't play that much football in general so to see how he performs in this game against a probably pretty bad football team uh, yeah sometimes you just gotta check the box like Trey Lance we need you to check the box of beating the Bears and I know wins are not a quarterback stat Nita Kimes don't yell at us for that but in this one when you're playing the Bears Trey Lance you can't play poorly enough that it keeps your your Super Bowl contending team from beating the Bears. Yeah, wins are not a quarterback stat, except for in San Francisco, where they obviously are. Jimmy Garoppolo, like that is that's his biggest stat. You point to that every week. That's all anyone points to. You know how much he wins, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he's winning on and off the field. Oh, uh, yeah. Good for him. All right. Last one is. Broncos Seahawks. I think that is when I will turn on House of Dragon and run it on a second screen. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> like totally I, agree. I, I, I want to watch it because like Russ going back home and I want to make sure maybe it falls into a check the box game where just like make sure you guys don't fall apart. Like you should beat the Seahawks handedly. I want to see all that. So I'll have it on. But this I, I'm going to have to rewatch a lot of these games and watch the coaching tape and break them down. I don't plan on doing that for this game because I don't see the Seahawks as a real test. I look care more about the pregame. I care <laughs> yeah. more about seeing the first five minutes of this game and how they talk about it than I do the actual game. I'm not even going to pretend if Damon Targaryen is cooking, coming out with like <laughs> body parts of the crab feeder. It, it might not even be on mute. Like the Broncos Seahawks oh. might just be off. That's an hour yeah. of me time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I they should move that. I need yeah. to move that to another day because Sunday, I don't know. It's one of those things that I, I did watch live. One of the few things, House of Dragon is one of the few things that I did watch live. Not this week. 
and not any other week until like yeah they won't be on in february so i will never watch house of dragon live again <laughs> i don't know i gotta look through the sunday night schedule there yeah. might be some some stinky sunday night games that might get house of dragon um what you got for me on uh nick curios coco golf loss like i watched both of those matches i wanted to find some space for this i don't know if people yeah. care about it but i do okay first on, let's go to coco first can knock mm-hmm. out quickly Sometimes you lose. She's had an incredible season. I think she's probably the second best player in the world, women's player in the world. Carolyn Garcia is incre- is like as hot as a tennis player can be right now. The curious thing, I think you can sort of choose your own adventure with this. Like some people are celebrating his demise yeah. uh, because he's a tennis disruptor. I actually found it sad. Uh, he was the best player in the tournament. He got hurt last night and normally his outbursts are inexplicable and are not it could be awkward him being frustrated because his calf couldn't cooperate and he couldn't move and he couldn't play tennis to that level showed that he actually cared for once. And like, Dominic, I think you can explain this. It is so weird, uh, rare to be as good as at a sport as Nick curious to be someone who can basically wait until he's 27 to start trying and then become one of the five best players in the world again at something. And, you know, I wanted to see him succeed. He's yeah. the most entertaining player in the world. And it's also like, if it, it Bucks all the trends of normalcy in tennis. So I'm actually bummed that he lost to, you know, Karen Hatchinoff, who looks identical to Liam Hamsworth. <laughs> he did a through uh, uh, between the leg shot. He is fun to watch. His um, racket bashing yeah. is, I mean, I, I did not grow up in tennis, so I do not respect their uh, constructs as much as other people do. So like when somebody's getting uh, a haircut, uh in the stands i which actually did happen i'm not bothered by that and nick curios busting up his racket like i don't care i'm not the guy that's like but for the kids yeah like, I, I i mean fine so if it offends them that's whatever but the the idea that he actually is justified in his anger right now like i guess that makes sense but yeah. it was fun to watch and him being out we got reasons for me to continue watching is Francis. That's it. Because yeah. I really wanted Coco to go to the finals and it'd be like this American torch passing and Serena be there and Coco win would have been great, but that didn't work out. And so now it's just Tiafa. I want to pitch you on Tiafo, one other thing. And this is this is going to go up after this match. So I'm just going to hope he wins. Okay. But Carlos Alcaraz. Uh-huh. Um, and like, I, like, so to me, there's no more fun thing in sports than like, the rise of prodigy before we ruin them with expectations because it's like we don't know what's what's possible we're awful but we are but like look this kid's 19 and he's the most athletic tennis player i've probably ever seen yeah you sent me you sent me some clips it was it was incredible he does stuff that looks impossible and he'll become a big deal if he wins this tournament somehow and that's distinctly possible he might have already lost this match when you're listening but regardless (laughs) Don't don't ruin him and call him a failure. He's awesome. He's oh, sick. He can man. play any sport and would be sick at it. All right. What you got planned this weekend? Just football binging? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Anything this is else? a couch weekend. No, no. I'm te- texting you from the couch and refreshing Twitter. Can't wait. All right, brother. All right. That made me sound like a complete loser, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. No, it did. Make you sound like everybody else. Like, and you won't be just texting me. You'll be like a group chat That's with right. lots of cool, exciting, famous people whose names we won't mentioned because then you guys will realize that they're not that cool exciting effects that's right <laughs> all right so i as you mentioned earlier i don't have any fan allegiance which i have to admit makes this the season a little less fun 
and also a little happier at times because I see some miserable people after their team gets their asses kicked or knocked out of playoffs. But I want to get engaged this year. So we need a show team. Who is the team that our show is going to root for? So I would like to know who everybody who's associated with the show right now roots for. So I can start with you, Charlie, and then we'll go to Addie, Sarah, and Christina. I, uh, I'm sadly a Washington Commanders nope, fan. Nope. We're not rooting nope. for that. Dan Snyder, you're not getting another dollar of my money ever again. We're not, that's not the show. Yeah. Team. Okay. The, do you have a suggestion or you just wanted to make us all sad? You asked me who I grew up rooting for. My no, own. I did. I did. Do you have a team that you want to suggest? No? Yeah. Oh, we can yeah, come back yeah, to I you. Yeah, I do. Okay, okay come back to me. Come back. Okay, right. we'll come back to you. Christina, who do you love? I am a Steelers fan. Ooh, I got another big nope right there. I grew up in Baltimore I and I'm I played sorry. for the Ravens. And, <laughs> Ooh, and y'all don't have a quarterback. It's not going to be fun. Rooting for sack fumbles all year. True. Addie and Sarah, you got some hope for us? Addie, who do you? You're going to hate me even more. Uh, born and raised in Worcester, Massachusetts. I'm a Patriots fan. No. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. Actually, I don't hate you even more, but I do hate that because who the hell wants to root for the Patriots, especially when they're not good? It's about to get worse. Just wait for who Sarah roots for. Feeling this pressure, Sarah. <laughs> Where are you from, first of all? Um, I'm actually from California, Nebraska. Ooh, okay. That's hope. Yeah. That's hope, California. Yeah, with that being said, um, I root for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, I don't know. All right, Charlie, we're back to you, man. Who Who is this show going to root for? Do we open it up to the listeners? Because I can't root for none of those damn teams. We guys, we're not going to be front runners. Like, you know, yeah, I think our the, the crossover of our heart, me and Dominique could root for the 49ers yeah. just because we're Shanna stands. Yeah. Can I, can I, can I, I like you that. On one? I can get I like that. with that. Okay. Let, let's go with the Panthers. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> Where did that come from? No one's going to expect it from okay. us. Okay. No, so, and also like here we go. We're the number one Baker podcast. <laughs> we're Baker's number one fans. <laughs> so my dad is from Charlotte. I don't know. I, I assume you didn't know that, Charlie. So I can get in on that. I like. I used to go to Charlotte for um Thanksgiving every year. I like Carolina. I do. So you got me rooting for Matt Rule and Baker. All right. Well, I don't know. We'll we'll tentatively be baker fans i think we all want them to beat the browns this weekend so that could be a fun start we'll see how it goes and i ain't above jumping ship so oh, neither am i we'll see anyway thank you all again for everything that you've done to make this show possible and for telling me about your horrible teenings christina buswell addy khan sarah abbott and of course you charlie kravitz and our great listeners. We need a name for the listeners. I don't know what it's going to be, but do the listeners name themselves or do we name them? I don't know. Anyway, that's that. See you next time. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.